Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello and welcome back, everyone. This is Sarah. I remembered to say my name this time. <laughs> and this is Katie. And we forgive Sarah because, <laughs> reminder, she's pregnant and a lot is happening. <laughs> and my brain is functioning at like 70%. But she's still here, everyone. And... <laughs> I gave her a, a pass. I was like, if we want to cancel this week, we can't. And guess what? She just was like, no, let's do it. So thank you, Sarah. <laughs> of course. I love it. It's like a little therapy for me. It's a good little break. And I just vent slash bitch at Katie for 30 minutes before we record. So it's more <laughs> like my little therapy session that Katie's probably like, are you sure you want to record? Oh, shut up. (laughs) I'm just like, please say yes, please say yes. But I get it if you don't want to. (laughs) Um, So for announcements this week, we have Patreon shout outs. We have some new patrons, uh, new patron Anne. Hello, Anne. Welcome. Patreon. Oh, hello, Anne. Welcome and thanks for being yeah. with us at Patreon. We have a new patron named Luke, who Luke sent us a amazing message on Patreon. Sarah, if you haven't read it yet, it's great. It's so clever and funny and heartwarming. Uh, so great. So thank you for that and for joining us, Luke, on Patreon. Oh, hi, Luke. I feel like I haven't read your message, so I need to go read that now. I'm so far behind on Patreon. Don't Everyone, I still love you so much. I just don't have it on my phone because it kicks me out. If I have it on my phone, it's like <laughs> some strange activity is happening in the UK. And I'm like, no, don't lock no, it out. No, please don't. No. Yeah. <laughs> so I definitely, I need to go and read all these lovely messages. They're Aww. so sweet. And we also have two patrons who decided to up their pledge because they're <laughs> absolute fucking angels so emily upped her pledge thank you emily we love you (laughs) emily what a babe thank you that's so nice and then our dear sweet friend jake from not so peter priesthood the little spinoff podcast from ours he upped his pledge and now he's in the highest level which is outer darkness We just sent, or we recorded Jake his little welcome video, but he already knows us. But you know us. (laughs) But yes, thank you, Jake. And if you guys haven't checked out his podcast yet, definitely go take it a look and take a listen. Because you don't look at podcasts, you listen. (laughs) Go listen. It's not so Peter Priested. And also follow him on Instagram because the memes are always on point. He also just posted recently about, (laughs) I had such giggles from this, with each of the the prophet, like the prophet and the apostles on Twitter, and just like leaving a comment off of every single one of their posts. Did you see that? Yes. So it was like, bless the children, blah, blah, blah. And Jake would be like, oh, really? Because you guys just got in a lot of trouble for child sex abuse in that article. Did you read it? Like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Can we talk about the facts here instead of just skirting over the issue? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It was brilliant. Well done. So basically, go check out the content. It's good stuff. Yes. And um, like Sarah was saying, you don't look at podcasts, you listen to them unless... You're on our Patreon. We have a lot of videos actually on there that you can watch. So if you want to join us for as little as $2 
a month. It's patreon.com slash not so Molly Mormon. And we have uh, over a hundred extra bonus um, pieces of content over there, including video. So yeah, go check it out. Um, but with that being said, uh, we can jump into today's topic, unless, Sarah, you have anything you'd like to contribute to. No, announcement. I do not. <laughs> I am super excited. Uh, this is a complete surprise. We had a little um, rescheduling, reshifting some things to do last minute, and Katie stepped up and was like, I can still record and research something in a day. And I was like, all right, if you can do it, because <laughs> my lazy ass was like, nope, not going to hey, happen. First of all, not lazy. You literally have only been getting like an hour of sleep a night. So you know what? <laughs> you can't be mean to yourself anymore. I won't allow it. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, so today's uh, topic, we are going to be talking about one of the Mormon or Church of Jesus Christ of Literary Saints. Uh, <laughs> Gospel Topics Essays. Ooh, I'm excited about this. Which one? We're talking about the, uh, well, we'll do a little overview of what they are, and then we're talking about the race and the priesthood one. <gasps> Which, uh, yeah, we've gotten requests to do this for a long time, and I was like, fine, we'll do it. <laughs> uh, but That's I a wanted- doozy. Okay, yeah. I'm excited. I wanted to say when I Googled Mormon Gospel Topic Essays, you know how suggestions will come up about like what other people have googled along those same lines so (laughs) the suggestions were under it who wrote the lds gospel topics essays and then the next one was what's the problem with mormonism and then the next one one was can mormons use condoms (laughs) (laughs) and i was like oh i see why they want to get away from the word mormon because you type in mormon and it autofills with a lot of stuff from ex-Mormons or anti-Mormons, as we might be called by some. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So if you go to the church's website, they have a a bunch of gospel topics, essays about different things in church history and problems, and they put a spin on it, we'll say, to shed things in better light. These came out, I think, in 2013. And this is what the church's website says, introducing the essays. <clears throat> and I'm just so excited to get your response. So it says, recognizing that today so much information about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints can be obtained from questionable and often inaccurate sources, officials of the church began in 2013 to publish straight, straightforward, in-depth essays on a number of topics. Um. <laughs> Okay, so they're trying to say that people don't get their information from correct or ac- like accurate sources. Uh-huh. AKA it has to be the church's website and it, sources. It to, yes. And you know the reason that they did this? The reason these were published is basically an answer to all of the other information because the internet was flourishing more and more and more and the church was drowning in the information. And so they were like, well... I guess we can't just deny that these things ever happened anymore. We have to talk about them and put a positive spin on them on our website. Uh, it's you it's know honestly what? just PR. Like it's no, it's PR 101. Like there's bad shit out there about us already. That's true. So we need to now take advantage of the situation and take control of the narrative so 1,000%. that it's in our light. Yes. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> 
The church places great emphasis on knowledge and on the importance of being well-informed about church history, doctrine, and practices. Not from what I recall. <laughs> um, that's a hard no. It differs depending on what bishop you have, like what wards you grow up in, who, who decides to talk about what. But for the most part, yeah, it's, it's. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot more importance is placed on not questioning the church. You know, the, the doubt your doubts, the all of all of that stuff is is much more important usually in church teachings than talking about history. I, when we have que- had questions in the church and we were trying to get answers, we were told just don't question, just put that on your shelf. Yeah, you will find out after we die. And now they're trying to make it seem like the church wants to be so transparent. That is so not the case whatsoever. It's not the case at all. Like anytime, like Katie said, anytime you question it, anytime you ask, like, what about this? What about that? It's like the Lord will reveal his ways when it's time. And like, he just needs to be patient and faithful and know that, you know, everything happens for a reason. Just and focus on the positive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And you're always like left scratching your head. Like, you're like but wait, you didn't answer. That anything. wasn't an answer. Yeah. And I'd like to point out that all, basically all of these topics in these gospel topics essays were at one time, these topics were demonized as maybe even anti-Mormon literature. Like even talking about the, the priesthood ban from black people was it was blasphemous almost to bring that up in church and mm-hmm. but now it's like oh well it's on our website you just have to read what we say about it but when we were growing up we couldn't even ask these questions without no. it being, ooh what's she doing so yeah exactly or if, if someone it kind of reminds me of like you know all those scenes of or videos that people record in sacrament meeting where someone gets up to to bear testimony or share a story or give a talk and they start like questioning stuff that you should be questioning, but the bishops don't want you to uh-huh. It's like they stand up and like, or they lower the mic from, from their seat. <laughs> yeah. And they like, can turn the mic off. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, Oh, we shouldn't be talking about that. Blah, blah. It's like that, but on a personal level or even, I mean, obviously not always. Cause I asked these questions in Sunday school or like in a public setting with other people and it was always shot down. Like, yeah, don't talk about it. They they want to come across as like so eager to educate and be transparent. But from our experience, and I'm going to venture from the many, many people who we've spoken to and that listen to this podcast, that's really not how it works. Uh, they end this by saying, we again encourage members to study the gospel topics essays cited in the links below as they, quote, seek learning even by study and also by faith. And so so end, it, end it by faith. They can seek learning through faith. I just don't. That's a, a oxymoron. <laughs> I saw this meme yesterday. Sorry, I'm like on a tangent on this topic. But I saw a meme yesterday that made me giggle so hard that I showed to Gregor. It was like <laughs> when people say the Bible is true because it says it in the Bible. And it was in a picture of like an extension cord that's plugged into itself. That's not plugged <laughs> into anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly, exactly this too. Like, yeah, seek learning, but only if it really <laughs> aligns with what the book is telling you. And it's true because it's in the book and just believe that the book is true. Yada, yada. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So this essay is called, oh, and by the way, uh, from what I remember and from the people I know who are Mormon, a lot of Mormons don't even know that these essays exist because they're I not. I didn't know they existed. Yeah, they're not put at the forefront of anything. They're just kind of there, as like Sarah said, for PR so that they can have something on their website to say, oh, look, you should have known about it this whole time. But it yep. it's not taught in like regular Sunday school or a sacrament meeting. So No, definitely not. Like yeah. I didn't hear about them until I, I read the CES letter and I think it's mentioned in there. Somehow mm-hmm. there was like a connection and I was like, wait, what? They yeah. have these gospel topics or essays. Like, I didn't realize that. And then that was actually, like, further proof to me or, like, convincing to leave because it was, like, oh, so this person isn't just pulling this out of their ass. Like, they're actually, like, questioning these things and using the gospel topics that the church has written mm-hmm. as evidence to to disprove them, basically. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> okay, this one's titled Race and the Priesthood. Get ready. Uh, okay, in theology and practice, uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints embraces the universal human family. Hmm, brothers okay, and sisters. That's already a lie. Yeah, <laughs> All right. Uh, Latter-day Saints scripture and teachings affirm that God loves all of his children and makes salvation available to all. They don't tell you right here that it's available in the highest form. Only if you pay tithing and go to the temple and get married. And if you're straight and pretty much like, yeah. Yeah. And if you, and if you, you know, sorry, if you were black before 1978, I don't know what to tell you. Exactly. Uh, Right before, like now it's okay. But before it was like, you had no, you had no chance. Yeah. Okay. And here we get into it. God created the many diverse races and ethnicities and esteems them all equally, because as the Book of Mormon puts it, we are all alike unto God. Mm. Wow. So maybe you should change your Book of Mormon where it's full of racism and God clearly does not see each race as equal <laughs> and loved uh-huh. because that's not happening in the Book of Mormon. And also maybe, you know, emphasize that with your members because vast majority of them are racist so I yeah and it's so it's like by saying this are you saying that your scriptures are no longer valid you know you, you I feel like they like to try to have it both ways like say we think every, God created everyone equal we're all alike unto God yet they still believe in the scriptures that preach racism so which exactly. which is it and I, and also I really don't like how they insert Mormon God into all cultures saying God created every race and ethnicity. Our Mormon God created everything across the globe. Like, no, <laughs> that's just trying to insert your Mormon God on every culture. And that's not cool. And also, yeah, you know what else God said? That the Lamanites can become white and delightsome if they're righteous. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so which one is it? Which <laughs> is it? Is your God just racist or are you racist or what? both. Um, All right. The structure and organization of the church encourage racial integration. Latter-day Saints attend church services according to the geographical boundaries of their local ward or congregation. By definition, this means that the racial, economic, and demographic composition of Latter-day Saint congregations generally mirrors that of the wider local community. Yeah, no shit. But also, 
I know of wards that are separated, like Polynesian wards. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, um, I think they just make it as generic. Like, they don't actually, like, break it down. But, like, Asian wards as well mm-hmm. in, in Utah. I remember uh, I had a few roommates, and they had, it like, a Korean ward. But then they also just had, like, an Asian ward. So I was like, they do know those are different countries, right? And different <laughs> totally different. Cultures and languages and yeah. everything. I know. Which, you know, if people want to gather how they want to gather, that's fine. But to say that you don't ever do that and just to say that everything's integrated all the time is just not true. Um, it's not true at all. Yeah. Um, the church's lay ministry also tends to facilitate integration. A black bishop may preside over a mostly white congregation a Hispanic woman may be paired with an Asian woman to visit the homes of a racial of a racially diverse membership. Wow! <laughs> Give yourself a clap on the back, Mormon Church. You're so progressive. Look at that. Yeah, they're trying to say how they're thoroughly integrated, and ugh, you know they've been trying to do this for some time now. But to me, it's disingenuous because this may happen. Like, but if this does happen, it's rare. I. I would be so surprised to see a black bishop presiding over a congregation of mostly white people. And sure, that probably is somewhere in some ward. But for the most part, most people in power, first of all, are men and almost all of them are white. So, like, sure, there may be a few other people that aren't white that come in and every now and then, but this makes it seem so much more um, integrated than it truly is. You know what I mean? It makes it sound like it's the norm and it's not like it's they say that. And it's probably the most ridiculous percentage, like 0.3 percent of bishops are a person of color. Like, in the yeah. rest of, you know what I mean? Like, I'm making that sound yeah. up, of course. I don't actually have one. But in the 27 years I was a Mormon, I only ever had a white bishop. Yeah. And I guess this is this is mostly saying for like for the states and Canada and and Europe. But, you know, because I'm sure in other countries it's going to be different. But there, yeah, I think people know what we're saying there. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then they say there has never been a churchwide policy of segregated congregations. And I was like, huh, I'm curious about this. So I looked it up. Did you Google it? I, I, I Googled it. No. <laughs> I Googled it. You so I, I found out that Joseph Smith supported segregation, stating, quote, I would confine black people by strict law to their own species. Oh. <gasps> ah. Until 1963, many church leaders supported legalized racial segregation. David O. McKay, J. Reuben Clark, Henry D. Moyle, Ezra Taft Benson, Joseph Fielding Smith, Harold B. Lee, and Mark E. Peterson were leading proponents of segregation. In the late 1940s, First Presidency members publicly and privately condemned white and black marriage, calling it, quote, repugnant, forbidden, and a wicked virus. This was 1940. Oh, Yeah, it it gets worse. I have a little bit more. (laughs) Uh, During the years, different black families were either told by church leadership not to attend church or chose not to attend church after white members complained. In in 1947, Mission President Rulon Howells decided to segregate the branch in 
Pira, I can't say that city, I'm so sorry, but it's a branch in Brazil with white members meeting in the chapel and black members meeting in a member's home. When the black members resisted, arguing that integration would help everyone, Howells decided to remove the missionaries from the black members and stop visiting black members altogether. Fucking hell, that is so horrible. That's so horrible. The church also advocated for segregation laws and enforced segregation in its facilities. For example, Hotel Utah, a church-run hotel, banned black guests even when other hotels made exceptions for black celebrities. Black people were prohibited. <laughs> black people were prohibited from performing in the Salt Lake Tabernacle, and the Deseret News did not allow black people to appear in photographs with white people. Church leaders urged white members to join civic groups and opened up LDS chapels for meetings to prevent. I don't. This is their word, not mine. For meetings to prevent Negroes from becoming <gasps> our neighbors. This was even after a 1948 Supreme Court decision against racial covenants in housing. They counseled their members to buy homes around the chapel so that black people couldn't move into them. You guys, my jaw is on the floor. I just, I cannot believe that's so horrendous. I know. And it's, it's also just like, it's so, it's infuriating. And I say this as a white person who's never had to deal with racism or discrimination in my life. Like I, I'm just furious in that the church still refuses to take accountability or to acknowledge the fact that they were racist. Like they still are, but they had this past that they just decide like to lie about yeah. constantly and I'll say, just say yeah, we, never we didn't. Did that. We were never into segregation. Like, don't. <sighs> it's the lying that really gets me. I, I don't like any of it, but then just to lie is. Uh. So another yeah, a couple other. Sorry, just to throw it in there, too. Like, it's also, like, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, I can't believe I believed in, like, a, a Mormon God who would allow these, quote-unquote, men of God and mouthpieces of, of God, these prophets and apostles, yep. to, to treat people this way. Like, in what world would I be like, ah, oh, yep, that's a cool God. Like, that's I a know. kind God. It's it's so hard to look back on and and know that I believed in that God, too. Yep. Um, and Apostle Mark E. Peterson taught that segregation was inspired by God, arguing that, quote, what God hath separated, let not man bring together again. He used examples of the Lamanites and the Nephites and the curse of Cain as scriptural precedents for segregation. Church leaders also advocated for the segregation of donated blood, concerned that giving white members, yeah, concerned that giving white members blood from black people would disqualify them from the priesthood. That is what I, what? Right? First of all, Mormons are fucking idiots and, like, can't believe they even think that that's a thing. But second of all, like, how much more disgusting and horrible can you get that you would honestly even say that, but then I know. practice that? I know. It's awful. So that was a little tangent I went on on segregation because I saw that line and I was like, wait, I I don't think that they're being fully transparent here. And of course they weren't. And Katie's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> wait My a minute. alarm is going off. It's My spidey sense is life. tingling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So back to the Gospel Topics essay. They say, despite this modern reality, for much of its history, from the mid-1800s until 1978, the church did not ordain men of black African descent to its priesthood, 
or allow black men or women to participate in temple endowment or sealing ordinances. I wanted to say like, notice how they didn't use the word ban. They just said, we didn't ordain them. It, the PR, I tell you, it's like the wording. They just have it so, they just have it so like brightly scrubbed and just fresh and happy when you're like, wait, that just said, you don't allow people to get into your heaven if they're black. <laughs> it's so frustrating because I know specific Mormons who do that. And it's because that's how the Mormon church presents its history and quote unquote facts too. Like they always do that where they don't, they just choose certain words or they tell part of the story, but not the full story mm-hmm. or really focus on just one part of the story and then they're like, but I didn't lie. Like, that's, you know, I, I said uh, they weren't allowed, not that they were banned. Okay, well, look up the thesaurus. Like, what? it's the same word. Like, it's the same meaning. It's yeah. just different. It, com- like, it's yeah. a form of gaslighting, too. Like, when they say, well, we that's what we said. But it's like, but you didn't, you didn't convey it fully. And, yeah. yeah. All right. The church was established in 1830 during an era of great racial division in the United States. At the time, many people of African descent lived in slavery, and racial distinctions and prejudice were not just common but customary among white Americans. Those realities, though unfamiliar and disturbing today, influenced all aspects of people's lives, including their religion. Yeah. I, I mean, that's too, where I want to say, where's the divine inspiration to to tell Joseph Smith that these heinous things are wrong and immoral. I mean, he's getting all this other weird inspiration about what you can eat and drink and these weird <laughs> names of places that never existed in America, but he can't, God can't be bothered to say, oh, guess what? Slavery and segregation and racism and all that. It's it's wrong, okay? That's simple. But no, he didn't do it. <laughs> like, what? He can do that. Doesn't happen. And you know what? When you would ask that question, because I've asked that question so many times as a Mormon, like, well, it doesn't make any sense. It was always, yeah, but, you know, it was a different time and, you know, different things that were happening around the world and socially. And it's like, but why would God care about that? If God is yeah. omnipotent and all powering, like, I'm sure he would be like, oh, yeah, this is, this is not a good time right now. We'll, we'll circle back to this one. <laughs> yeah. You know what I heard? Like the answer that I would get sometimes is that, well, we, the church in the early days couldn't be openly against slavery or couldn't be anti-racist because they would have gotten persecuted by everyone else who wanted slavery. And it's like, bitch, they were practicing polygamy and they were okay with that. And yet they could just not be racist. What? And it's like the most white privileged thing to say, like, oh, they didn't want to be persecuted because they stood up for they equal stood rights. Up. Mm-hmm. Oh, but you're not the one that's actually experiencing any of this discrimination or racial injustice, but you, you're scared that you will be persecuted. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So um, many Christian churches of that era, for instance, were segregated along racial lines from the beginnings of the church. People of every race and ethnicity could be baptized and received as members. I love they do this. They throw other churches under the bus. Yep. Ooh, they were doing segregation, but we allowed black people to be baptized. And it's like, oh, how kind of you, Mormon church, to, to baptize black people, take their tithing money, and then tell them, 
oh, sorry, because of your skin color, you don't actually get any rewards that we teach about. But you, you're lucky we let you join, though. What? Oh, my God. But but those other churches, they don't do that. They didn't do it. So, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So then they say, toward the end of his life, church founder Joseph Smith openly opposed slavery. Notice how they said toward the end of his life. Because mm-hmm. I found... In April 1836, J-Dog published an essay sympathetic to the pro-slavery cause, arguing against what he called a possible race war, and he provided cautious justification of slavery based on the biblical curse of Ham, stating that Northerners had no more right to say that the South shall not hold slaves than the South have to say that the North shall. Also, what? Yeah, and J-Dog full-on wrote the Book of Abraham, which talks about the curse of Cain and the black skin. Like, he wrote the Book of Mormon. Like, just to throw in there, toward the end of his life, Joseph Smith openly opposed slavery. That's not good enough for me. No, and also, Katie, you got the facts wrong. Joseph (laughs) Smith didn't write the Book of Mormon or Book of Abraham. God did. God did. Looked in a hat with some rocks and translated it. So oh, I'm sorry. I so God's a racist dick. I'm sorry. <laughs> also, it's, it's very convenient, too, like how they say here, oh, Joseph Smith opposed slavery. How convenient that they don't talk about Brigham Young. Nope. Because Brigham Young was an advocate for slavery. I, like, exactly. If you're going to have one side of the story in there, have both. But they can't do that. No, they have to put the focus on Joseph Smith and be like, oh, we really hope they don't they don't question Brigham Young. And which, in all fairness, it worked because as a Mormon, I never really looked into Brigham Young. I didn't know anything about him. I didn't. Well, yeah, know. they don't talk about him because he's awful. Yeah, I only knew he was a second prophet, but like that was it. I didn't know that he was a horrible person. Like I went to the fucking university and still didn't know like any of this stuff. Like mm-hmm. because they just it's all Brigham Young is amazing. Not. Yeah. A yeah. horrible human being. He led the pioneers to the, to the oh god. Um, okay. During the first two decades of the church's existence, a few black men were ordained to the priesthood. One of these men, Elijah Abel, also participated in temple ceremonies in Kirtland, Ohio, and was later baptized as proxy for deceased relatives in Nauvoo. There is no reliable evidence that any black men were denied the priesthood during Joseph Smith's lifetime. In a private church council three years after Joseph Smith's death, Brigham Young praised Hugh Walker Lewis, a black man who had been ordained to the priesthood, saying, we have one of the best elders, an African. (laughs) So, you know what else Brigham Young said? Um, As recorded in the Journal of Discourses, Brigham Young taught that black people's position in in the afterlife was as servants. And it was a law under heaven, and it was not the church's place to change God's law. Like, there are so many racist oh. things that we know Brigham Young said, but that was the only thing that they could pull. And it still was bad when he said, we have one of the best elders, an African. That's the only thing they could find that he said that was, like, not absolutely terrible about black people. Not blatantly racist is everything else that he says. I cannot believe he said that about the afterlife in there. Oh, yeah position that's her that's so yeah, disgusting like, like they can make it to the afterlife but they'll just always be servants yep yeah fuck fuck that no 
1852, President Brigham Young publicly announced that men of black African descent could no longer be ordained to the priesthood. Though thereafter, blacks continued to join the church through baptism and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Like, oh my God, they just leap right to it and don't give any explanation. They're just like, well, he just decided. Ah, there it is. There is no no other further context, explanation, background, just like, let's just skip ahead. You know, people won't notice. They won't notice. Uh, following the death of Brigham Young, subsequent church presidents restricted blacks from receiving the temple endowment or being married in the temple. Over time, church leaders and members advanced many theories to explain the priesthood and the temple restrictions. None of these explanations is accepted today as the official doctrine of the church. Of course they aren't, because the church cherry picks, and they don't, and all of the explanations are horrible. Like, the truth is that the Mormon church is just fake, and the leaders are racist, but, ah, it, like, drives me insane. It, it drives me insane. Um, it's just the church will never, ever, and it's the most infuriating aspects of, of ugh, their entire existence, is that they just will never admit that they're wrong, and take accountability, mm-hmm. and change, like, we just, you know, did the episode about this recent AP article and how and, and I'm reading updates recently that the church still just refuses to take accountability for what they've done and to just say, you know what, we fucked up. I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. Like they just won't do it. And it's so disgusting. It's that level of entitlement and just like, oh, we're better than you. We don't have to do that. Like people will continue to support us no matter what. And the truth is that members do. And that's the part where I'm like, why is this a good quality that you guys seem to think is what you should aspire to be like is to just never take accountability and just be like, no, the church never makes mistakes. People never, no, 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 no. It's fine. Uh, I'm going to defend them until the day I die and not question anything. It it boggles my mind, (sighs) truly. And how they say here that None of these were just theories that were presented to people about about why there was the ban, the priesthood ban. And I'm just thinking for all of these years, what about the members that they're supposedly being taught these things? And then you're like, oh, well, they just believed it, but it was a theory. So, for example, church leaders taught for decades that the priesthood ordination and temple ordinance ban was commanded by God, like Brigham Young taught that it was a true eternal principle the Lord Almighty has ordained. And in 1949, the first presidency under George Albert Smith officially stated that it remains as it has always stood, and it was not a matter of the declaration of a policy, but of direct commandment from the Lord. And another first presidency statement, this time under David O. McKay in 1969, reemphasized this, that said it was, Seeming discrimination by the church towards the Negro is not something which originated with man, but it goes back to the beginning with God. And as president of the church, Spencer W. Kimball also emphasized in a 1973 press conference that the ban was, quote, not my policy or the church's policy. It is the policy and commandment of the Lord who has established it. So there you go. I I get fired up. (laughs) Oh. God. Uh, okay. So, uh, let's, let's move, moving along. By the late 1940s and 1950s, racial integration was becoming more common in American life. Church President David O. McKay emphasized that the restriction extended only to men of Black African descent. 
the church had always allowed Pacific Islanders to hold the priesthood, and President McClay clarified that Black Fijians and Australian Aborigines could also be ordained to the priesthood. Does that make it better? Better. Like, how is that better? I don't understand. And also, I can't, and I say this because I used to be that person, but how dumb can you be to be like, Oh, yeah. So God is like, let me look at my list. Yeah. So Polynesian. Yeah, that's fine. Aboriginals. Yeah. Ooh, African descent. Nah, nah, nah. No, they yeah. can't have it. How is that better? I <laughs> They like put that in there to ma- make you have, I don't know. It's like this little nugget of like, here you go. Look, we weren't racist towards Fijians. Does that make it better now? <laughs> so dumb. I just don't get it. <laughs> Um, Brazil, in particular, presented many challenges. Unlike the United States and South Africa, where legal and de facto racism led to deeply segregated societies, Brazil prided itself on its open, integrated, and mixed racial heritage. In 1975, the church announced that a temple would be built in Sao Paulo, Brazil. As the temple construction proceeded, church authorities encountered faithful Black and mixed ancestry Latter-day Saints who had contributed financially and in other ways to the building of the Sao Paulo Temple a sanctuary they realized they would not be allowed to enter once it was completed. This (gasps) this gave them a problem, right? Like, we don't know your ancestry, so, oh no, can we not allow people into our temple? Oh no, are they going to stop paying tithing? Wow. Also, around this time, I just want to remind everybody, they were getting threatened to lose tax-exempt status if they kept the ban and the segregation at BYU. Um, oh, there we go. That's yeah. the reason. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, they're going to get this revelation to remove the ban, but we know it has nothing to do with revelation. It's about the the potential revoking of the taxes at status and then also other things like certain universities like Stanford were boycotting playing against BYU and just like a lot of other pressure from society because this was post-civil rights. So like the, the Mormon church was the last major church to get on the trend of, or not even the trend, I shouldn't say trend, but getting on the reality of like, yeah. this, this is equality. And they were getting pushback from society. So, oh, yay, now we're going to get a revelation. How convenient. <laughs> so convenient. It's like, oh, that was perfect timing. Perfect timing. That works out so great. Uh, so they talk about the, how they got the revelation, finally, and they, they make it seem like they'd always wanted it, but God didn't tell them it was the right time. But then finally, 1978, woohoo, finally got it. Um, wow. <laughs> so this revelation on the priesthood, as it is commonly known in the church, was a landmark revelation, a historic event. Those who were present at the time described it in reverent terms. Gordon B. Hinckley remembered it this way. There was a hallowed and sanctified atmosphere in the room. For me, it felt as if a conduit opened between the heavenly throne and the kneeling, pleading prophet of God who was joined by his brethren. Every man in that circle, by power of the Holy Ghost, knew the same thing. Not one of us who was present on that occasion was ever quite the same after that. And I want to say, fuck off, Gordon. Like, (laughs) these are not good men. These were all the same men who who were denying the priesthood to black people yep. this whole time. And then suddenly they get pressure. And now you're like, oh, how convenient. I can pretend like God revealed himself to me and told me to not do this anymore. It just. And it was ugh. such an amazing experience. Though. Yeah. Right. A special experience. Oh. Ugh. 
So Elder Bruce R. McConkie, an apostle, spoke of the new light and knowledge that had erased previously limited understanding. And I just want to say, Bruce R. McConkie also wrote Mormon Doctrine that's filled with hateful racist shit. And mm-hmm. so, uh, and it's like, they're just portraying him in this nice light, like, oh, that's so great. And then he wrote a book that may, uh, was filled with just bigoted, awful stuff. So, of course, they take that out. It's like, oh, but yeah, he's yeah. like, look at this. And again, I say this because as a Mormon, I didn't know the horrible shit that he wrote. I just mm-hmm. knew from like manuals and these quotes and stuff that you only see like a little snippet because they perfectly choose which lines they want to emphasize or quotes from these prophets and apostles. So you're like, they're such amazing men. Oh, they're such great men. Yeah. So today the church disavows the theories advanced in the past that black skin is a sign of divine disfavor or curse, or that it reflects unrighteous actions in the premortal life that mixed race marriages are a sin or that blacks or people of any other race or ethnicity are inferior in any way to anyone else. They love to say that, but then they, I mean, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but holy shit, it's in your scriptures. (laughs) Exactly. It's, it's, it's in your scriptures, your doctrine, like everything. So how can you say that? Like it's, it's a, yeah. And you're still denying the, the racism of the past you're not fully embracing or acknowledging what it was and it just makes it it's like god is the scapegoat so god was just the racist it reminds me of brad wilcox's talk that we covered when he was like mm-hmm. why are we talking about why did the black people have to wait till 1978 what about all the rest of us who had to wait thousands of years before joseph smith oh i can't that guy that makes my my blood pressure just went up from the mention of him and thinking about that ridiculous talk he did (laughs) that's lightning bolt wrong remember when he said that (laughs) (laughs) it's just and it's also infuriating because they they'll say that these are theories but they were taught as doctrine and i'm wondering if you know it's like in the future are they going to teach that the doctrine that teaches against gay marriage was just a theory. Is that just, mm. I, oh, it just drives me insane. I could see them doing that though. I could definitely see them doing that because they yeah. have to yeah. make some type of like change in the future because their numbers are dropping, which means their money's dropping. So then they're going to have to get with the times and something's going to change in the next like 20, 30 years, and they're going to have to do the same thing that they're doing now with, like, quote-unquote damage control and be like, oh, that was just a theory we had that back That was just the a theory. I, yeah, even though it was taught as doctrine. <laughs> you don't know what doctrine <laughs> means, you dummy. Kind of like yeah, you don't exactly. know what translate means. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so at the very end, they say, the church po- proclaims that redemption through Jesus Christ is available to the entire human family on the conditions God has prescribed. So unless you were black and died before 1978, then I don't know. Uh, yeah, but it's also just, it's, I like that kind of ominous ending, like on the conditions God has prescribed. So you do have to be Mormon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to pay your tithing and you need to have a temple marriage and you need to wear your garments and participate and so much church activity that you go insane. <laughs> so, 
but you have no other time to focus on anything else. So you don't question things. That's their whole goal. Yeah. Keep us busy so we don't actually think about these things. Yeah. But you know what? I like listeners, for those of you out there who are not white, who are your person of color, like I would be very not just interested, but I think it's important to know like your perspective, like growing up, if you grew up in the church or if you join at a later stage, like, did you ever question these things or did, if you did, which I'm sure you did, I'm sure like if you yeah. came across it, you would, what, what were people's responses to you in the church? Like, what were you told? Like how, how did they basically get around answer and giving you a straightforward answer? Because I'm sure well, we know that there is no straight there is no. other than yeah. the racist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can't, you know, I, I just I obviously I can't imagine because I'm white and I don't have to ever go through that. But being in what's taught as like a safe spa- space or like a religious organization where it's your brothers and sisters, but always having that feeling of there's that history and there's still that present day doctrine that they teach. It's in your Book of Mormon that isn't depicting anyone who's not white in a good light. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's, it's terrible. And it, it's terrible just because of what it is. But then the attempt to excuse it away is also egregious to me because yeah, like, like you said, just maybe just apologize and own that it, it's wrong. But they can't do that because then that's sort of the basis of their whole thing is like we can't apologize because then we'll be admitting that we don't really get revelation and we're not really connected to God. So, yep. So they can never admit they're wrong, which means they will never, ever take accountability. Mm -mm. And the members will do the same. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Unless you leave. (laughs) Yeah, unless you leave. And I actually have heard from so many people that when they did have a tough question in the church regarding some of these gospel topics, they were referenced to the gospel topic essays by their bishop or whoever, and it actually led them to leaving the church because they were like, wait, okay, this doesn't sound right at all, but it's coming Mm -hmm. from a church source, and they're like, well, let me look a little more into it, and so that's, I guess, one of the only good things (laughs) is that now they have to at least acknowledge some of the very awful things instead of just completely denying that they ever happened. Yep, exactly. I wouldn't say that was like the the reason I left, but I definitely, it, it was like contributing factor. Yeah, because yeah. Reading it, I was like, what? Like this still doesn't, doesn't answer anything and it's just vague. And if anything, it makes me feel more uncomfortable about the question I had and the answer that I've been given in the church. Like yeah. this isn't reassuring at all. No, at all. No, but there you have it. That's the grace and the priesthood gospel topic essay. Thank you for um, <laughs> wow. letting me rage about that for a little while. Thank you for oh. doing the research and covering that and also finding those quotes and resources that completely contradict the church's comments slash just calls them out on their bullshit and their lies <laughs> because we know it's not true. Like, Again, it's like, you know, we get a lot of trolls and just reviews or whatever from people being like, they don't do their research or blah, 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 blah. And it's like, Katie is laying it out for you 
as clear as day. Like, how else can we prove this? Like, it's, right? It's, you're I just think choosing because, to ignore it. Yeah, I think it's because a lot of my sources, if they're truthful many of them are not church approved and members Mm -hmm. are taught that the only acceptable sources are the church approved ones and those are the real truth when it's like you gotta you can't just look at the biased source all the time sorry mormons but that's the hard reality (laughs) that's the harsh reality and you can't ignore it forever trust me oh yeah you can (laughs) yikes well we will, we're, we're very grateful for all of you for listening. We love you all, and we'll be back next week. Love you guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.